the church doesn't have a great reputation. Surprise, surprise, right? North Decatur's doing pretty well, but overall, the global and national church is, has a pretty consistent reputation of uh, infighting, of hypocrisy, and isolationism. Tell me if I'm wrong, but that's what I hear most often, right? Political ideology is starting to muddy up the waters of our faith, creating more and more division and discord within the church each and every day. In fact, it seems like every day I see a new article that's posted that is indicating the most recent research explaining why my generation and others are finding their spiritual home outside of the church. People are maintaining a belief in God just without the baggage of the church and without the baggage of Christian identity. People are willing to walk with Jesus but are not willing to be identified by the church or by a denomination. Like, like Gandhi has said, they love Jesus, but they struggle to see Jesus' witness of love through the denominational and political stuff uh, of the church. Right? It's kind of a mess. I think we can all agree it's kind of a mess. I get it. I really do. You see, the church has identified itself poorly. I think we've lost our sense of groundedness. We've become reactive to the pace of the news cycle and the demand for a response to every headline. So we've forgotten our fundamental identity. We've been pulled into a culture that demands that we have fast answers, and we've forgotten to look for God's grace first. So the answers of the church have often taken more of a political feel than a faithful one. So for this whole month of May, May, we're just going to talk about our identity here at North Decatur. We aren't going to talk about the United Methodist Church's identity and political infighting. We're not going to talk about the global church as much as it is incredibly important to look to our global witness of faith through May we're going to talk about the unique and faithfully rooted identity of this church, this community of faith. We're going to ground ourselves in the values that North Decatur United Methodist Church has articulated for generations, for the last 70 years. You see, North Decatur is an incredible and particular reflection of the love of Jesus in the world. This church that has existed on this corner for more than 70 years as a center for community life. 70 years ago, a small group of faithful Methodists agreed to start a new church in this neighborhood, which at the time was just being built. The women and the men who formed the beginning of this community that we are all a part of now wanted to teach this neighborhood, a new neighborhood, that they could experience new life through the abundant love that comes through Jesus Christ. So when they got here, they formed a new community with the help of God, with some beautiful stated values. These are the values that have been stated for so long. It's a beautiful thing. The first is unrelenting love for all people. Can we agree with that? Nice. 
a place of belonging. Passionate worship, outreach and mission, and disciple-making. Those are pretty solid values that this church has held on to for so long. And so each week, we'll focus on one of these essential values of our church and our community. So this week, we're going to talk about that first value of unrelenting love for all people. Every once in a while, uh, this may come as no surprise, I hear complaints from folks that I talk too much about inclusion and affirmation of all people here. Some have asked why we have to have gluten-free bread or why we have to say so frequently on our church sign that young, old, rich, poor, gay, straight, and everything in between are welcome here so often. Some have called the church to the church office to complain about the way that our sign has articulated the reality that black lives matter or that LGBTQ lives matter. And I consistently point back to our church's values. I didn't make them up. The values of our church are based in a rich tradition of unrelenting love for all people. In our 70 years, North Decatur has always been the church rooted in the fundamental belief that Jesus meets us where we are and offers an unbridled love for each and every person. This is one of the reasons I love this chapter in the Gospel of John. Peter genuinely doesn't consider himself worthy of that love. In Jesus' greatest moment of need, in fact, Peter couldn't bring himself to offer any kind of support or solidarity. You've probably heard this story before, right? Jesus ate his last meal with friends around a table in an upper room. He told them repeatedly how essential love would be for their witness in the world. If you want to be known as a disciple of Jesus, you have to love one another. You have to love sacrificially. The world will know we are different because we love in ways that are countercultural. The world will know we're followers of Jesus because we give up our power to show our love through sacrificing the power that we have for the benefit of others. So then, uh, around that same table, one of Jesus' friends who shared that last meal, Judas, he got up from the table. And he invited the political and religious leaders of the day an opportunity to have Jesus arrested. And when Jesus was arrested, all of those disciples, all of them, the people who were closest to Jesus, left. They ran away. They hid. They guarded themselves rather than sacrificing themselves in the way that Jesus talked about their witness. Peter made an explicit promise around that table. He promised that he would be different than all of the other disciples sitting around the table with Jesus. He promised he would be with Jesus even if it meant he had to die. So when Peter couldn't, when Peter wasn't there, When Peter gave in to his fear, Peter was crushed. And you can feel that in the scripture. Peter 
denied knowing Jesus three separate times, and then he ran away in shame and guilt. Because of his shame, or just because maybe he just needed an opportunity to move on, Peter decided early the next week that he was going to pick up his old identity as a fisherman. Now, what that means is that he was putting down his new identity given through Jesus. He picked up his old identity. He told his friends he was going fishing, and he did. And y'all, I can't imagine the kind of pain that Peter must have been feeling. So it makes all of the sense in the world that he would want to return to an identity that wouldn't remind him every day that he had abandoned his friend and his mentor and his moment of greatest need. Get that. But then Jesus shows up. Again. Not only does he show up, he shows up specifically for Peter. It's incredible, really, right? Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the one who saves the world from sin and death, the one who offers new life to all people, this Jesus shows up at the side of this lake calling out to Peter, meeting him in his old identity again to offer some fishing advice, throw the net on the other side. And then everything changes. Everything. Everything comes into a new light. Everything is illumined for Peter again. His worst moment was not the moment that would define his work of, and the work of Jesus. Jesus' abundant love and forgiveness is the defining quality of this new life. So when Peter gets to the shore of the lake and sits around a campfire that undoubtedly reminded him of the campfire around which he denied Jesus three times, Jesus just asks him a series of questions. And I'll read this straight from Scripture. This is uh, the rest of the Scripture. This is verses 15 through 19 in the 21st chapter of John. When they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. He asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was sad that Jesus asked a third time, do you love me? And he replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I assure you that when you were younger, you tied your own belt and walked around wherever you wanted. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and another will tie your belt and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this to show the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. After saying this, Jesus said to Peter, 
the first words that he had ever said to me. Follow me. Y'all, this is where we are. This is us, every one of us. We are imperfect, anxiety-ridden misfits who obsess over our failure and try to do everything ourselves. We try to prove our identity with the skills that we have, whether that's in fishing or in finance or in law, public policy or teaching. We try to rely on our identity and productivity and expertise. But that isn't how Christ sees us. Jesus looks past all of that to see the goodness in all of us. Jesus invites us to take on a new identity in love for all people in all places. This is why I say so often that every person is a beloved creation of God. This is why we write signs that articulate love and alignment for the people who've been pushed to the margins. Because on the margins is where Jesus resides. And because that's where Jesus is, that's where we go. We boldly remind the world that the arbitrary identities that keep us in debates and arguments against one another are insignificant. The only thing, the only thing that matters is the abundant love poured out for each and every one of us and our call to offer it in the same way to the world around us. Even today, Jesus is asking us the same questions he asked Peter. You may be a fisherman, you may be an attorney, you may be a teacher or a doctor or a nurse or a public policy advocate. That's good. But do you love? If the answer is yes, we have specific instructions to feed, to care for, to offer nourishment and welcome to every person. If the answer is yes, that we love Jesus, then the only way we can show that is to love sacrificially. The only way to show that we're followers of Christ is to love with the same unrelenting passion of Jesus. That's it. It's a value of this church that has existed for generations. And we continue to live into it day by day by day. And y'all, I am grateful for that witness. I'm grateful for the faithfulness to that all in that work. And I pray every day that I too and all of us would grow into this reality more and more with God's help. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen. Gracious and merciful God, we thank you for meeting us even in this place. We've set apart this time and this space and this community for the sake of worshiping you. And God, we just pray that you would meet us here through the songs that we sing, through the, the witness of love that we find through the children in our midst. And 
through the community that gathers around us, who were once strangers but are now friends only because of the outpouring of love that comes through you. God, we pray that you would meet us even in this time. As scripture challenges us and uplifts us, we pray that your presence would be among us so that we would grow in knowledge of ourselves and in, of you and the work that you have called us to. So that in all things and in all places, you would be glorified through the work of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, so here's some big shocking news. The church does not have a great reputation. Maybe you didn't know that, but it's true. North Decatur's doing pretty well, but overall, the global and national church has a consistent reputation for infighting, hypocrisy, and isolation. Right? Political ideology is starting to muddy up the waters of our faith and has created division and discord within the church. That's been my experience anyway. It seems like I see a new article posted every day indicating the most recent research explaining why my generation and others are finding their spiritual home outside of the church. Right? People are maintaining their belief in God without the baggage of church and without the baggage of a Christian identity. People are they're willing to walk with Jesus, but they're not interested in being identified by the church. Maybe you're familiar with this experience. Like Gandhi, folks love Jesus, but they struggle to see Jesus' witness of love through the denominational and political stuff of the church. It's kind of a mess, right? I think we can agree with that. And I get it. I really do. I get it. You see, the church, I think, really has just struggled to identify itself well. We've lost our sense of groundedness. We've become reactive to the pace of a news cycle and the demand for a response to every headline. So we've lost our fundamental identity. We've been pulled into a culture that demands that we have fast answers. And we've forgotten to look to God's grace first. And so what inevitably happens is that the church, the answers of the church, often have a political feel to them, more often than a faithful one. And so for the whole month of May, we are just going to talk about our identity here. We're not going to talk about the United Methodist Church's identity or the political infighting going on in our denomination. We're not going to talk about the global church as much as it is incredibly important to look to our global witness of faith. Through May, for this one month, we're going to talk about the unique and faithfully rooted identity of this church so that we can ground ourselves in the values that North Decatur United Methodist Church has articulated for generations the past 70 years. North Decatur really is an incredible and particular reflection of love for Jesus in the world. This church has existed on this corner for just a little more than 70 years as a center hub for community life. 70 years ago, a small group of faithful Methodists agreed to start a new church in a new neighborhood 
which was just being built. The women and the men who formed the beginning of this community that we're all a part of now, they wanted to teach a new neighborhood that they could experience new life through the abundance of love that comes only through Jesus Christ. So when they got here, they formed a new community with the help of God, with these values. They, the values are not my values. They're the church's values. In fact, I was talking to Tyler in between services today, and we don't know where they came from, but they've been written down as a part of our church's history since uh, before we can remember. These are the values that were handed to us. Unrelenting love for all people. A place of belonging. Passionate worship. Outreach and mission and disciple-making. As far as I can tell, that pretty well sums up the most key and significant values of this church. And so each week, we will focus on one of those essential values in the church and our community. This week, we're going to talk only about the value of unrelenting love for all people. Every once in a while, I hear some complaint from folks that I talk too much about inclusion and affirmation of all people. Some have asked why we have to have gluten-free bread or why we have to say all the time that young, old, rich, poor, gay, straight, and everything in between are welcome here so often. Some have called the church office to complain about the way that our sign has articulated the reality that black lives matter or that LGBTQ lives matter, and I always consistently point to our shared identity and stated values that were handed to me. I didn't make them up. The values of our church are based on a rich tradition of unrelenting love for all people. In our 70 years, North Decatur has always been a church rooted in the fundamental belief that Jesus meets us where we are and offers unbridled love for all people. And this is one of the reasons that I love this last chapter in the Gospel of John. Peter genuinely doesn't consider himself worthy of that love. In Jesus' moment of need, Peter couldn't even bring himself to offer any version of support or solidarity. You may have heard this story before. I want to back up some to the last meal they shared together. Jesus ate his last meal with friends around the table in an upper room. He told them in that meal together how repeatedly, how essential love would be. He said, if you want to be known as a disciple of Jesus, you have to love, and not only love, but love sacrificially. The world will know that we are different because of the ways that we love and that are countercultural. The world will know we are followers of Jesus because we give up our power to show love by sacrificing the power that we have for the benefit of others. And then one of Jesus' friends, closest friend, who shared in his last meal, a guy named Judas. Judas got up from the table and then went out and found the political and religious leaders of the day and gave them a chance, an opportunity. 
to arrest Jesus. And so when they arrested Jesus, the rest of those 11 disciples, all of them, all of Jesus' closest friends, left. They ran away. They hid. They guarded themselves rather than sacrificing themselves. But Peter was unique among those 12 disciples because Peter promised that he would be different. He was better than that. He promised Jesus that he would be with them until his own death. And so when Peter couldn't be there, when Peter gave in to his fear, he was crushed. Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times, and then he ran away, Scripture tells us, in shame. And because of that shame, or maybe because he just felt like he needed to move on, Peter decided later that next week that he was going to pick up his old identity as a fisherman, which of course meant that he was putting down the new identity that Jesus had given him as a disciple. He picked up his old identity and he told all of his friends, I'm going fishing. And that's what he did. I can't imagine the kind of pain Peter must have been feeling. So it makes all the sense in the world that he would return to an identity that wouldn't remind him every day that he had abandoned his friend and mentor in his moment of need. Then Jesus shows up at the side of the lake. He doesn't just show up at the side of the lake, he shows up specifically for Peter. It's incredible, really, right? Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man, the one who saves the world from sin and death, the one who offers new life to all people, Jesus, shows up at the side of a lake to call out to Peter, meeting him in his old identity as a fisherman to offer him some fishing advice. Throw the net on the other side. And as soon as he says that, as soon as he tells him to throw the net on the other side and meets Peter in his old identity, everything changes. Everything comes into a new light. Everything is illumined for Peter. Again, he finally finds out that his worst moment was not the moment that defines the work of Jesus. Jesus' abundant love and forgiveness is the only defining quality of life now. So when Peter gets to the shore of the lake and sits around a campfire that undoubtedly reminded him of the campfire around which Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus asks him a series of questions. Again, this is from the last chapter in the Gospel of John, verses 15 to 19. When they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lamb. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. He then asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was sad that Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I assure you that when you were younger, you tied your own belt and walked around wherever you wanted. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and another will tie your belt and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this to show the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, the first thing he ever said to Peter, follow me. This is where we are. This is us. This is every one of us. We are imperfect, anxiety-ridden misfits who obsess over our failures to try to do everything ourselves. We try to prove our identity with skills, whether that's in fishing or in finance or in law or public policy or teaching. We try to rely on our identity of productivity and expertise. But that isn't how Christ sees us. Jesus looks past all of that to see the goodness of us all. Jesus invites us to take on a new identity of love for all people in all places. And this is why I say so often that all people are beloved creations of God. This is why I write signs that articulate love and alignment with people who have been pushed for too long to the margins. Because that is exactly where Jesus is. Because that's where Jesus is, that's where we go. We boldly remind the world that the arbitrary identities that we hold, that keep us in debates and arguments against one another, are insignificant. The only thing that matters is the abundance of love that is poured out for each and every one of us, and our call to offer it in the same way to the world around us. Because even today, Jesus is asking us the same question that he asked Peter. You may be a fisherman. You may be an attorney. You may be a teacher or a doctor or a nurse or a public policy advocate, and that's good. But do you love me more than these? If the answer is yes, we have very specific instruction to feed, to offer nourishment and welcome every, for every single person. If the answer is yes, if we love the, Jesus, then the only way that we can show that is to love sacrificially. The only way to show that we're followers of Jesus Christ is to love with the same unrelenting passion of Jesus. That's it. And y'all, this church, North Decatur, has taken that seriously for 70 years. And I'm grateful for a witness in this congregation. I'm grateful for your participation 
and this life, and I'm grateful for the faithfulness that has existed from then and will go way longer than any of us live here on this earth. But I pray every day that we will grow every day, day by day, more and more into this perfect reality of abundant love as it will change the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.